We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. You heard it there in the intro. It's Candlestick Chronicles. He is Chris Biederman. He covers right. the 49ers. Yeah, that's him. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Uh, I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for the Niners Wire at the USA Today Sports Media Group. A little clunky there in the intro, but Chris, that's because I'm so excited about this episode of The Old Rush. Well, it was a pretty clunky game that yeah. we're going to talk about, so it's <laughs> fitting. I think my favorite part about this game is that I never have to watch it again. <laughs> I'm never, I will never turn on this football game ever again. We'll explain as we go. If you're unfamiliar with the old rush, we're going back through some old 49er games just during the lull in the offseason where there's not a lot going on, especially because of the COVID-19 shutdowns. So we started with week one of 2011. We've also done week four of 2011, and now we're on to week six of the 2011 season where the 4-1 49ers faced off at the 5-0 Detroit Lions. And a lot of people know this as the handshake game. Handshake gate, where Jim Harbaugh and then Lions coach Jim Schwartz in the post-game handshake had a little dust-up that spilled over off the field as they were jogging to the tunnel. It was a whole big thing. We'll discuss it. But, Chris, I, I obviously remember the handshake... And I remembered 
that Delaney Walker scored the game-winning touchdown. I did not remember how awful this game was. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. The Niners had 15 penalties including a ton of pre-snap issues um which if you remember Kyle was was sort of a signature yeah. um bugaboo of of those Jim Harbaugh teams. Alex Smith uh threw for 125 yards on 32 attempts, so one of the more efficient seasons of his career obviously. Um, didn't really apply for this game. He averaged 3.9 yards per attempt. Not great, Bob. Not not awesome. Um, the Niners' defense was really dominant uh, yeah. again, which isn't all that surprising given given what we know about them in hindsight now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a really ugly game, a back and forth game. Um, obviously, the the big talking point coming out of the game was was about handshake gate which Jim Harbaugh would describe a year later as a mini controversy, which is totally hilarious because it absolutely wasn't Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Peak Jim Harbaugh. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, let's talk, let's dig in. It was, um, it was ugly, man. Like Frank Gore, his stat line, he had 141 yards, but like more than half of that came on two carries. Um, and that was about, the totality of the 49ers offense they went two for 14 on third down the Lions were two of 15 on third down um just an overall slot fest but the Niners ran for 203 yards they were able to get enough on the ground the defense played really well particularly the pass rush Alden Smith continued to sort of break out there early on in his rookie year Michael Crabtree had a nice game um but a, that was about it for the Niners like it was it was an ugly win but we saw them win a bunch of these kind of games early on in the Jim Harbaugh tenure yeah they they ended up winning 25 to 19 which is a very Jim Harbaugh score right so let's let's set the scene a little bit it's week 6 2011 the Niners I mentioned are four and one they are five point dogs at the five and oh Detroit Lions Alliance five and oh for the first time since 1956 and in true Detroit fashion, they finished the year 10-6 and six and got blown out by the Saints in the wildcard game. <laughs> Shots uh, fired. The Niners are coming off a 48-3 win over Tampa Bay. It was their third straight victory. They had 860 yards combined in the two games leading up to this one after having 641 the first three weeks, uh, which is not great. The Lions are coming off a win over the Bears on Monday Night Football. And one of the big talking points... Throughout the beginning of this game was how many false starts the Bears had and how loud the Lions Stadium was and how the Niners play at CenturyLink Field, but this Detroit crowd is even louder than that. <laughs> it was, it was, it was hilarious. Every mistake the Niners made, and there were a lot of them, every mistake the Niners made was, well, you listen to this crowd. They got to do something to get this crowd out of it. Like, this Lions team was stacked, dude. They had a lot of really good players. Yeah. And they're going, this crowd. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's see. Cats yeah, the Lions had a really... Cliff Averill was on that on that team. I had forgotten about that. Of yeah. course, you remember Averill ended up moving on to the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, was yeah. it the next year? No, it was, or two it years was later? several years later. Okay. Yeah, because he was a part of that Seahawks defense for a long time. Um but yeah, Ndamukong Sue was was really good. Him and Anthony Davis kept getting into it, uh, which good was Anthony a fun Davis little mini game. subplot. What's that? I said good Anthony Davis game. Yeah, he played well. He played well, and he had some recognizable moments. Some the like Lions, 
the, borderline the, unnecessary roughness stuff from Anthony Davis, but yeah, he, was like, a, he was a chippy player. Definitely stuff as you were watching this one, you're going, oh, they don't, that you can't get away with that now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no chance that, that that doesn't get flagged now. Uh, Kenny Moose and Goose were on the call for this one. You'll remember that trio. It's not a huge surprise um, that that trio is no longer together. Wasn't an awesome broadcast? No. Um, wasn't awesome officiating either. No, the officiating was pretty bad. The Lions uniform sucked. Yeah. A really trash era for the for the Lions uniforms. That was the last year of the Reebok uniforms, too. Yeah, that's a great point. It sure and was. the Reebok uniforms were bad. Whatever the stripe situation like yeah, the Niners had on the sleeves were no terrible. No attention to detail. Um, I guess this is somewhat of a controversial take, but I've, I've always disliked the aesthetic of the black cleats with the Niners uniforms. No, I, I agree with you. Because, like, the 80s and 90s always had, like, the striped socks and the white cleats. I always thought that was a cleaner look. Um, I don't hate the black, but it's it just seemed out of place with, like, the the white uniforms, the, the gold helmets and pants, and then black, um, black ankle. Uh, it doesn't fit. Black shoes and black tape. It just didn't, yeah, it didn't work. Spats. That's the word I was thinking of, spats. There you That's, go. Yeah, the black, the black spats on the Niners uniform with the black cleats not a great look uh it's red white and gold needs to be needs to be the three colors and you just you just rock with that you you work with what you're given patrick was, wilson this game was wearing like a white shooting sleeve it looked great <laughs> <laughs> it so was uh, yeah there was a lot of pink too uh, yeah, for yeah, breast, breast cancer, cancer awareness, awareness month, yep. and um also, the red seems like it's a little bit different on those Reebok uniforms. Yeah, it's it's it. I don't want to say more dull. Almost like had more of an orange hue. I felt like. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. The yeah. the Nike uniforms are definitely superior. Way better. And when the updating the sleeves had to happen in uh, 2017, that was huge. So let's let's start kind of rolling through this game real quick. Uh, like we mentioned, a very odd game, but. The Niners did not get off to a great start on offense. No. <laughs> their their first their first snap of the game, uh, Kyle Vandenbosch came off the edge for a strip sack. And maybe the worst rep of Joe Staley's career. Yeah, Vandenbosch I, just beat him right off right from the snap. Alex it, Smith like, never touched him. Yeah, and he and, and Alex Smith couldn't even get to the top of his drop. And then the funniest part about the whole thing for me was Tony Saragusa praising <laughs> the defensive tackles for what happened on the play, even though they had nothing to do with it. He, yeah. uh, his analysis of the play was praising the defensive tackles for not allowing Alex Smith to step up in the pocket, but Alex Smith was going to throw the ball, which is the reason why the ball was sort of away from his body. It looked like he was going to hit Vernon Davis over the middle, who hadn't made his, who hadn't cut out of his, uh, out of his route yet. And, before he could do that, Vandenbosch just stripped the ball. And so Goose blaming the defensive tackles was sort of indicative of the point you made earlier that he, he wasn't the most helpful on this broadcast. Not great. <laughs> so the Lions, the Lions wound up going up 3-0, eventually 10-0. There was a lot of Patrick Willis versus Brandon Pettigrew action. Really and enjoyed it. Willis had a really nice pass breakup with 11.44 to go in the first quarter. He had three in the game. Yeah, it was it. It was it was like the Lions decided they were gonna just match up Pettigrew against Willis, and it, it worked for one touchdown. The touchdown that made it ten to nothing, 
can we talk about that one real quick yeah please it was a weird it was a weird one like it was a perfect a perfect touchdown for this game because it just wasn't normal yeah there were no normal touchdowns in this game (laughs) um maybe with the exception of frank Gore's uh rushing touchdown in the second quarter um but so the Pettigrew has the ball uh pat willis's arm is sort of locked in there as he as Pettigrew comes down with it and after they're down willis rips the ball out but it was ruled a touchdown and it was reviewed and jim harbaugh tossed the challenge flag to review it and it turned out to be a 15 yard penalty because the play had already been reviewed and if you try to challenge a play that's not reviewable it's a unsportsmanlike conduct so very early on in jim harbaugh's tenure he made one of his more boneheaded challenge plays um it didn't really matter because the lions ended up kicking it out of the end zone from the 50 which right they should have just done a coffin corner kick that would have been much more uh, a better use of the penalty so it didn't ultimately hurt the 49ers all that much but what you and i both noticed about this was that uh Jim Schwartz started yelling at Jim Harbaugh at this point in the game. And that portends to what happened after the game, of course, with, with Handshake Gate. It was like, from across the field, there was a shot of Jim Schwartz yelling something at Harbaugh. You knew he wasn't talking to any of his players because he was sort of, like, had this wry, like, grin on his face. And he, removed, lo- his, he removed his headset, so he certainly wasn't talking to any of his coaches. And was, it was, was directed of- right at the 49ers' sideline. There was a lot of get a load of this guy in his face. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, it was a hundred percent directed at Harbaugh, and a lot of like laughing and like ad- addressing his coaches, but then like gesturing towards the Niners sideline, and you can see him saying, "You can't do that." Right. And I, 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 I'm fully with you that that had something to do with how Harbaugh went about the handshake, because yeah. it, it just it was a really tough look for Schwartz. The Niners' first first down of the game comes with 4-11 left in the first quarter. Their first three drives went fumble, punt, punt. It was eight plays. No, sorry, seven plays for negative three yards. Not awesome. Not not great. Um, We had a quintessential Frank Gore run with 49 seconds left in the first where he goes 46 yards but gets tackled from behind at the one-yard line. (laughs) But at least he got the touchdown out of it. He did. He did. He almost got vultured. They brought in Booby Dixon the next play to give Gore a blow. And then uh, he didn't get in. And then they had the break in the quarter. And then Gore scored on the first play of the second quarter from one yard out. Uh, when, When Gore went for 46 yards, it was a run right up the middle. And the Niners had had a little bit of success doing that. And Moose comes on and blames the wide nine defensive alignment, which the 49ers used to uh, get to the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> so I thought that was, I thought that was. But it, it, you remember, so that was what a 46 yard run, and then he also yeah. had a 55 yard run on the same call. It was that wham play where Delaney Walker comes in motion yep. um, behind one of the guards at the snap, and then the guard moves up field, allows the defensive tackle sort of a free run to the backfield, or at least that's what he thinks until. He gets sort of blindsided by Delaney Walker. Yeah. Um, I think the first one was in Dominican Sue, and the next one was Corey Peters. Uh, I think I think that's right. I'm not sure. Ken- Kendall Hunter also had one later in the game, but each time the Niners did, I think they did it three times, and they had two massive Frank Gore runs out of it. Um, and then I think Kendall Hunter had another first down run. 
um, or explosive run, whatever you want to use to, to describe it. But um, it was interesting that that was a schematic wrinkle that, that actually worked. Because I think in hindsight, and maybe this is a broader discussion, but like Jim Harbaugh got a ton of credit for the offense and doing things schematically. Rewatching it now, and maybe I'm jaded by the fact that, you know, I've watched Kyle Shanahan and everything, <laughs> you know, the Niners offense does now. Yeah. But like it's hard to it's hard to go back and, and revel in the schematic prowess of that two thousand eleven Niners team. And I understand Jim Harbaugh is in his first year. It was a lockout shortened off season. We're still talking about a game relatively early in the season in week six. But um it it it, it just wasn't the most imagination imaginative imaginative outfit easy for me to say and uh it was and very the passing much game just, certainly certainly wasn't flourishing at this moment either no it, it was very much a our offensive line is big and we're just going to move you around kind of offense yeah yeah and then the wham play it, was like whoa big wrinkle yeah <laughs> big, big wrinkle <laughs> so i i want to have a discussion about jim harbaugh a little bit later in the pod um I forgot that there was a safety in this game when Alden Smith sacked Matt Stafford, uh, and Stafford kind of tried to get rid of it. But I think it would have, if they hadn't counted it as a sack, I think it would have been grounding in the end zone, which is a safety anyways. Right. But, but also they, not, they I mean, it, it was a safety because there was he, he definitely wasn't down. It was a safety because he threw it away short of the line of scrimmage. It was one of, like, five examples of just really bad officiating. Yeah, they never... Even though they yeah. got the call right. Yeah, but, like, not for the right reason. Right, yeah, they got the call right for the wrong reason. It's good uh, when so the Niners, uh, one of the things that, that that happened when when Gore, I meant to mention this when Gore scored his touchdown on the first play of the second quarter, uh, Moose Johnston said that he loves the way Indomitian Sue plays football. Indomitian Sue wound up being one of the dirtiest players in the league. Still um, good. And good Moose player. Moose loves the way he plays. Okay. With 6.46 left in the second, the Niners had nine penalties for 89 yards. It was really loud in that building. It was so loud. It was CenturyLink Midwest. <laughs> um, Delaney Walker dropped a touchdown yep. in the third quarter. It wasn't a great Walker game because he, no. I mean, before the game-winning score, he had... Uh, I think he had two penalties, right? He had two penalties, a couple drops. Yeah. Not um, a great Delaney game. Yeah, so the Niners end up kicking a field goal. That by, uh, by this point, it's 15-13. Uh, Walker dropped uh, a touchdown. The other notable thing in the third quarter, this is the play that I told you to remind me about. Oh. With 4.45 left in the third quarter. This is huge, Chris. Okay. Brett Swain debuts for mm. the 49ers. Yeah. Checks in, takes Those his first golden snap. Locks. Yeah, so that was a that was a huge moment in this one. Uh, Kyle Williams got some run too. Yeah, Kyle Williams got a little bit of burn. Uh, with the Niners leading 15-13, Alex Smith took a shot down the field and it didn't go well. He threw a really bad interception. And Alex Smith missing high was a theme in this game. Yeah, and, and Michael Crabtree had one really nice catch on a long pass, and it was like the same route and almost the same exact throw that got intercepted like a couple series later. Yeah. Um, but Crabtree just couldn't couldn't leap high enough because it was way overthrown. But the, the one before, Crabtree made a really nice jump and catch over the middle for 20 yards or whatever, but um, yeah. 
Alex Smith wasn't wasn't great, but he made a good throw when he needed to at the end. The Lions in the fourth quarter figured out that throwing slants to Calvin Johnson is unstoppable. Yeah. Why did they not run that ever? They would have never thrown an incompletion. It's yeah, they made Moose Calvin made a Johnson good point. Sorry, go ahead. It was just Calvin Johnson slants. It felt like he wound up with seven catches for 113 yards, but it felt like 50 catches for 200 yards. It felt like Nate Burleson had a better game than four catches for 34 yards on I 10 totally targets. I totally agree. I totally agree. And was, I think that's because he's such a good analyst that I just think more highly of him. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, really good um, collection of eyewear. Yep. Really good glasses guy. Him and I, yeah, like we, him and I have that in common. That's probably the only thing we have in common. I, I wear guys. Uh, and your last name start with B. That's another one. Oh, good point. Burleson, Burleson scored the touchdown to make it 19-15 Lions with 13-48 to go. A uh, funny thing that happened with 12-25 to go in the fourth quarter, Lions defensive back Eric Wright kind of got rolled up on, and Moose points out that, hey, he's gimpy. The Niners might take a shot at him because uh, he's matched up with Michael Crabtree one-on-one. The Niners not only didn't take a shot uh, to Crabtree on Eric Wright, they threw it back to the other side of the field to Justin Peel, mm. the like third tight end, mm-hmm. and it was incomplete. And I thought that was a really funny uh, juxtaposition of things that could have happened that didn't happen. And every time Eric Wright was mentioned, he was uh, it was mentioned he's from San Francisco. Yes. San Francisco native Eric Wright. Yeah, Big I think that that was said like four or five times. So, um, the Niners got going on offense with a couple of Ted Ginn end-arounds, which led to the question for me, better number 19 for the 49ers on end-arounds, Debo Samuel or Ted Ginn, your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go with Debo. I am too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Niners, 151 left in the fourth quarter. Fourth and goal, Alex Smith to Delaney Walker. Nice little rubber out there with, I think it was Ted Ginn. Uh, just running a little out. Walker comes inside, makes the catch, scores. It was Crabtree who actually would have been wide open too. Oh, was it Crabtree? I remember. I, it, I was thought it was Crabtree ran like a. Notes. It was like a corner, like a stop corner, and Walker ran a slant, and both guys reacted to the slant. But Alex Smith timed and placed the throw so well that it didn't matter. But if he would have like faked inside or looked inside it, he would have had Crabtree. Uh, on a fade to the right, ironically, wide open, like nobody <laughs> there within five yards of them. So the but Niners... It was still a touchdown. Niners go up 22-19. They end up getting the ball back again and kicking a field goal to go up 25-19. Hey, one last thing uh, on, our, on our little game summary here. Mm-hmm. On the Lions' last fourth down, there was super pass interference on Carlos Rogers. Yeah. Like, but like he was... by a lot. Yeah, I mean, he made contact, but it was one of those things where he was looking at the ball, and you could make the case, if you're watching it live, though, that it was incidental. But yeah, it probably should have went called. But yeah, then there would have been, what, an untimed down from, like, the 50 or whatever? They're probably not scoring a touchdown there, regardless. No, probably not. But okay. Still. But they did have Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford. So the Niners going to win 25-19. to 19. Uh, That's our game summary. Let's get to uh, the box score. Uh, a couple of things you've already mentioned. The Niners, 15 penalties for 120 yards. The teams were combined 4 of 29 on third down. And you noted <laughs> that the Niners had 29 pressures and Stafford completed only 28 throws per pro football focus. That's a wild stat. I would like to know how often that happens. Yeah. 
how like, often does that, does more happen, pressures than completions. Does that happen five times a year? I have no idea, honestly. I don't either. It it makes me think that the that the Lions' offensive line wasn't very good. Yeah, that feels like a theme with the Lions over the years. Really yeah. good Frank Gore game, 15 carries, 141 yards, and a tutty. Alex Smith was not good, 17-32 for a buck 25, a touchdown, an interception. Both of Gore's long runs probably should have been touchdowns, but yeah, like you mentioned, like Gore just, when he has runs like that, particularly at that phase in his career, he's like really good for 30 yards, and then it's like starting to slow down a little bit. His He had carries of, I believe it was 46 and 55 yards. So on the whams. 100 and, 101 of his 141 yards came on two carries. Yeah. Um, Alden Smith, two sacks, a pass breakup, and a forced fumble. He was all over the place. Alden Smith had three uh, – sorry, Ahmad Brooks had three tackles for loss and a sack. Justin Smith, one and a half sacks and a tackle for loss. Really good game for the Niners defense. Yeah. It was another really good Navarro Bowman game. You mentioned Pat Willis with his three PBUs. Yeah. Um, I'm looking up the game logs from Alden Smith's rookie year right now uh, and fittingly getting a server error uh, page. Oh, yeah, from... no, I, I was getting the same thing. I think PFF, uh, Pro Football Reference, is doing site maintenance. Oh, okay. They just happen to be going through Alden Smith's 2011 season. Perfect. Um, uh, yeah, they were going through Javid Best earlier. So. <laughs> um, another name I had sort of forgotten about was Javid Best. Yeah, this was actually, I had this in the odds and ends for later, but since we're talking about it now, uh, Javid Best's final career game. Wild. Yeah. He was um, on the team the following season, but he, he didn't play any games. Can we get to, can we do game breaks before we take a break and get to our categories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Let's I do marked that. down three game breaks in this one. Okay. Ahmad Bradshaw put the Giants ahead of the Bills 7 nothing with a touchdown run. Nice. But it was one of those ones where as... Uh, Kurt Menefee's doing the update. Fred Jackson scored a long touchdown. So he's like, well, it was 7-0, but Fred Jackson just scored to make it 7-7. And it feels like Ahmad Bradshaw and Fred Jackson were just like staples on my fantasy team for like a five-year stretch there. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw's like 180 jumping spin touchdown spike, one of the one of the more underrated celebrations really from good. that year. Really strong, yeah. Um. Michael Vick and the Eagles trying to avoid going to one and five. Uh, he hit Brent Selleck for a seven yard touchdown to take a seven nothing lead over Washington. Something that came up on the ticker, the the score ticker there at the bottom mm-hmm. later on in the game that I noticed was Rex Grossman's stat line, and this is with Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Grossman was nine of twenty two with four interceptions. Not great. Not awesome. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the final one here. Aaron Rodgers hit Jordy Nelson for a 93-yard touchdown. Put Green Bay up on Carolina. 17-0. Jordy Nelson, really underrated player. The game breaks are are one of the, probably the most underrated thing of, of re-watching the old broadcasts, honestly. It's so fun, dude. It's so many just, like, guys and things you just forgot about. Yeah. Like, oh, look at those weird uniforms. Like, the Giants still have those gray, weird pants at that point. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it Let's... was, um, that's always fun. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break because you had the best idea anyone's had for this podcast yet. What and, a tease. And I want to get to it. So All right. let's get to a break. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. 
You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. The NBA is coming back and I'm so excited to bet on the NBA again. That is exciting. Uh, all right. So you had a brilliant idea because we had been doing a Twitter summary where we wrote out a tweet that summarized the game. Yeah. But you texted me. I forget why. Oh, because I sent you a tweet I had sent uh, from earlier today. Because I make a habit of sending people my tweets via text. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You said you should look up your tweets from this game. And buddy, is it how many times did you tweet? So I I've I've taken some down cuz they were like replies to accounts that don't exist anymore and stuff. It was 102 from the start of the game to the end of the game. You tweeted 102 times over what, three and a half hours? Yeah, right right about three and a half hours, yeah. That uh, is prolific. <laughs> It's extre- extremely efficient tweeting. Um, my final, uh, because remember at this time I had just turned 21, I was probably drunk and uh, an angry fan of the 49ers. Um, I, my last tweet was off Twitter for the rest of this debacle. And to my credit, I didn't tweet anymore. So uh, I'm a man of my word there. So I'm going to run through some of these tweets. Uh, here's Alexander's, Alexander Ulysses Smith in all caps. Um, <laughs> um, here's uh, Harbaugh forgot he wasn't in college anymore. Mm, and Harbaugh, nice. showing, Harbaugh showing his rookiness. Niners will miss that time out a lot. Sick burn. That was that was about him trying to challenge uh, the, the touchdown that he couldn't challenge. Is anyone in the world worse at a pointless job than Tony Saragusa? That aged very well. Uh, I would like to. I would like to say, Crabtree is a PPR god today. Big fantasy guy, Kyle mm. Madsen. Uh, mm. Patrick Willis can be Optimus Prime, but I refuse to call Navarro Bowman Bumblebee. So can why can did we talk anyone follow me, bro? Can, this is just shitty, shitty tweet after shitty, <laughs> shitty tweet, and it's just not even. It's just nonsense. It's just word salad, just for three and a half hours. So was Navarro Bowman? Is that is this an indictment of the tweet? I mean, were you indicting Navarro Bowman, or are you just not a Bumblebee guy? No, no, no. I think Bumblebee would be a stupid nickname. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's what that is. Okay. I also had a because earlier in the game, I had a take that said Navarro Bowman's going to be really good, and Navarro Bowman is really good, or something. Right. Um, Keep in mind that, that for the listeners, this was his first year as a starter. Yeah, this is his sixth game as a starter. Yeah. Perhaps my favorite tweet of the game, though, was in the middle of this football game, uh, the mac and cheese balls from Trader Joe's are bomb as hell. <laughs> um, can I send you, can I Can I, I talk about um, a couple tweets I had from the night before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was, so I was covering, uh, this was long before I was covering the 49ers, I was working freelance, 
uh, covering the United Football League Sacramento Mountain Lions, coached by uh, Denny Green. And there was, um, I, I didn't do a whole lot of live tweeting that night because not a ton of people love the, uh, the UFL. Um, but there was a failed, I, I had totally forgotten this, there was a failed proposal on the field. Like some guy tried to propose to his girlfriend on the field, but like the timing never worked out. So they like went onto the field and then the game started back up again and they had to run off and like none of this, like it didn't happen. And it was just, it, it was remarkable on a, on a few different levels because somebody decided that a UFL game was the right place to propose and it didn't even work. Um, so I had a couple tweets about that. Um, <laughs> and then the, the next morning, uh, because on NFL Sundays, particularly when the 49ers were playing, I would, uh, I would listen to this song. So I did hashtag NP. Now playing. Um, now playing. <laughs> San Quinn featuring Big, Big Rich SF Anthem hashtag Game Time hashtag Game Time. So it was Game Time. We Can were we, get we were ready matching? to go. Nine forty two a.m. Um, about eighteen minutes before Game Time, but I just wanted to let everybody know what I was listening <laughs> to. October sixteenth, two thousand eleven. I wish I could see how many followers I had at this point because it had to be like two hundred. This was before you tweeted at me asking me asking me to send you followers. Right, and now you have like five times as many followers as I have. <laughs> so <laughs> not that many, but yeah, it's 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 close. Right, I I can we get matching hashtag game time tattoos? <laughs> uh, we can do fake ones. I don't I don't think I I need a a real tattoo for that one. Dude, my buddy will do it on the cheap. He does all mine. I I nothing nothing uh, excites me well, more okay, than cheap okay. tattoos. Yeah, no, we'll take it's a real tattoo shop. It's just my buddy, so we get a little discount. Okay. So we'll table this. You know, we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back to it. It's fine. Um, um, but I, as embarrassed as I am to um, to tweet to to go back and like rehash the fact that I did hashtag NP uh, the song. Like the song is a good song. It's still a very good song. <laughs> I stand by the you song. Stay, just just not the, the action take. of being like, hey guys, check out what I'm listening to at this moment. I'm gonna randomly tweet you what I'm listening to. Hashtag <laughs> okay, we're getting too far off track. Let's keep going. That's fine. Let's get this back on track. Uh, most random 49ers opponent sighting. Um, I didn't forget that Nate Burleson played football, but like I said, he's so good as, as an analyst now that I sort of forgot that he had a professional football career. Yeah. Uh, Titus Young is the guy that really stood out to me in this one, though. He was a second round pick out of Boise State. And got a lot of run on the broadcast. And his rookie year, he was really good. He had 48 catches for 607 yards and six touchdowns. His second year, in 10 games, 33 catches, 383 yards, and four touchdowns. And then got cut and never played in the league again. Yikes. Football is such a weird sport. So, the official, I brought this up earlier but it was there were like a few points where it was just so awful they blew a play dead in a situation where um where anthony davis moved early but they picked the flag up so they basically blew a play dead for no reason uh which you never see like that if if a play's blown dead before the snap that's always a flag that always stands up that was really weird that that didn't happen um, they called the cheapest horse collar in the world at the end of Frank Gore's uh, second long run, um, adding 15 yards to it. Uh, 
And it was basically like some guy just pulled like the top of his jersey and Gore didn't even fall backwards. Obviously the intent of the rules to prevent prevent guys from yeah. like twisting and getting hurt. Gore just kind of fell forward. Um, really bad penalty. The uh, the Nate Burleson touchdown, they called incomplete initially, and then it was challenged by the Lions, and it was ruled complete. Burleson caught it, got two feet in, stumbled out of bounds, and then lost control of the ball when he was bracing himself because there was the net back there, to the, the net that uh, catches balls behind the goalposts. Yeah. That was down on the ground. He did so he didn't have complete control all the way through the process, which was a big point of contention back then in the NFL for whatever reason. They obviously Especially changed the rules since then. Yeah. Because he dropped the ball trying to brace himself like an hour after making the catch, they ruled it incomplete. They challenged it. It was a touchdown. It was obvious to everybody in the world it was a touchdown. Wow. Um, it was just a very poorly officiated game. And you could see why emotions would be running high. Although the Niners were super sloppy and deserved just about all their 15 penalties that they had. There weren't there weren't really many cheap ones. Maybe Isaac Sepawaga, um, he was flagged a personal foul for ripping a guy's helmet off when he was playing fullback and throwing a block. He was just throwing a block and the guy's helmet came off and, and he was flagged for it. Um, other than that, I, I thought it was uh, the Niners deserved all of their all their flags, all 15 of them. I thought so too. You have Alden Smith down here, and I forgot that happened. Yeah, he had a safety and a forced fumble. Yeah, he was dynamite. He was really good. He was so and it good wasn't, as a rookie. It wasn't just like two man game stuff with Justin Smith in this one either. Like he was winning one on one, and um, he there was were a really couple good. plays. There were a couple plays where it was like double take, rewind and watch it again right. because he dominated the rep so thoroughly. Right. Highlights from the broadcast: You have Moose Johnson's red jacket. It was like plush. Uh, I couldn't tell <laughs> like a if it was jacket? if it was patterned or velvet, but it was like red. It's patterned velvet. And then this was the point where everybody was trying to go with as many patterns as possible. So it was like a different pattern jacket, a different pattern shirt, and a different pattern tie, and that was right. like the thing. Um, whereas you couldn't have anything just like flat or like you know very subtle. Like this was very loud. And uh, it was just funny because when you think of Moose Johnson, you don't think of somebody like with a super eclectic style. At least he doesn't have a super, super eclectic like way of announcing games. So when they showed him, I think it was at halftime, and he's just in this like red like smoking jacket with a yellow tie. I was like, man, that is that's a lot. That's a lot, Moose. And it was probably really sharp back in 2011. Uh, Tony Saragusa, not good. The Fox Sports like, Polo. He just didn't, uh, not not necessarily his outfit, but just his job. Like, he just wasn't good. No. He didn't offer anything. He said Frank Gore isn't a guy you want running through the secondary. Um, he did, he, and he also said that Calvin Johnson is a guy that people know he's athletic and can make catches down the field, but he's also good at running across the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Goose. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know that Calvin Johnson's good at football. A uh, couple good quotes. Moose, as the Niners' offense is taking the field, says, the offense of San Francisco for the defense of the Lions is strength versus strength. And, man, watching the Niners the first few weeks of this season, the offense is not their strength. No. They were, they were not good. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Moose also had a great quote about Justin Smith. He said he has 60 minutes of pure football. Mm. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a quote that better applies to a player. Sure. That's a really good, really good work there from Moose. 
all the good post-game quotes came from Jim Harbaugh. And they had nothing to do with the actual game and everything to do with the handshake. Yes. And you found a great one from the New York Times. Yeah, Judy Batista, who's now with NFL Network, uh, who used to be for the New York Times, she was covering, or used, used to write for the New York Times, I should say, um, was covering this game. And so I guess, should, should we talk, should we give the play-by-play of the, the handshake? So sure, yeah. we, we mentioned Jim Schwartz yelling something at Jim Harbaugh for challenging uh, a play that was not reviewable in the first quarter. Um, the Niners win. Uh, they come back, obviously, so it was a pretty emotional one. Another road victory, which had been rare for the team previously. Jim Harbaugh's fired up. He's like, as his first instinct, you can tell, because they have the camera on him once the game ends, his first instinct is to go celebrate with all the players. Um and midway through, like, running onto the field, he realizes, oh, I got to go find Jim Schwartz. And Jim Harbaugh is very much in the in the mode of, like, I'm celebrating. I don't have a whole lot of, like, spatial awareness right now. And, uh, and he was just really excited. I don't know if you know this. Jim Harbaugh is an excitable person. Get out um, of town. And so he finds Jim Schwartz. He gives him a handshake. An aggressive um, handshake. An aggressive handshake, and then slaps him on the back, and then turns and starts running. And as he turns, I think he says, "F yeah, uh, fuck yeah." If if uh, if you're of age, and that, hey, it's marked explicit, folks. <laughs> and so, um, and then he's running off to the off to the left. Harbaugh's right, and then Jim Schwartz just bolts after him. And is very unhappy. And uh, so Jim Harbaugh said, after after the game, the quote from uh, Judy Batista's story is, um, quote, we'll see. I don't think I'm that emotional. Harbaugh said before pausing, quote, I will say I was very emotional about our team. When you're with a group of guys and you're trying to do something special, you see your guys play that way. Yeah, it fires you up. It fires me up. I don't apologize for that. If that offends you or anybody else, so be it. Um yeah, Jim Harbaugh didn't really care all that much. But it was just really funny to be like, I don't think I, that, I'm that emotional. No, Sounds I'm, like I'm pretty emotional. <laughs> and apparently he saw uh, Jim Schwartz in the tunnel afterwards um, and didn't apologize. I guess they talked about it. And, and Harbaugh has since, I think, in 2017, he went on um, the Pardon My Take podcast As and said that, that it was his fault. Um, he was, uh, it was too aggressive of a handshake. So, but it was a big story. This was, I mean, this was a big deal. This was the 49ers were five and one. Um, all of a sudden they were good and they had sort of a lightning rod of a coach who you wonder if he could control his emotions. And and the lions were also sort of an upstart team because they went six and 10 the year prior also. Um, and yep. they were red hot. They were five and zero after winning, I think, four the four straight to end the previous year. Um, so this was, and you mentioned it. The Lions were were favored in this game. So this was like, this was a clash of two teams that wound up being, going to the playoffs. I know and, we I know we pointed to that Philly game as the one where it was like, oh, that put the Niners on the map. But I think it was this one. That was really like okay, they're five, they're five and one now. They just knocked off a five and zero team on the road, uh, because Philly got off to a one and four start. Right. Um, so yeah, this is a, they was this just to your point was a huge win. Yeah. 
The turning point in this one, I think, was the Alden Smith strip sack with 7.51 to go in the fourth. The Lions were up 19-15, looking to just kind of bleed clock and maybe score and put the game away. Uh, but Alden Smith comes up with a strip sack on first down. It puts the Lions in second and 28, and they wind up going three and out. And then the Niners scored on the ensuing drive. You could also argue that Ted Ginn's punt return, uh, I think it went for 39 yards. It put the Niners at the Detroit 39, or 36-yard return at the Detroit 39. Sure. Um, can, I, can I give you a, a turning point? It's a big play. Please. So before the end of the first half, there was a six-point swing in the game. Ah, um, yes. When Jason Hansen missed a 50-some yard field goal, and it was funny because Kenny Albert was talking about how Hansen had made more 50-yard field goals than any kicker in league history leading up to it, and he wound up missing it and pushing it right. The Niners get it back and wound up kicking a 55-yard field goal, getting it from David Akers um, as, half, as the second quarter expired to go into halftime up 12-10. to 10. Um, they, they had 12 because they a touchdown, a field goal, and a safety. Um, but that was a six-point swing right there, and they wound up winning the game by six. Huh. Good note. So not like not the turning point in the game, but like, but definitely a, huge, a yeah. turning point. Yeah. Jason Hansen, by the way, uh, at this point was in his 20th season. Yeah, he was drafted in 1992. 92, bro. That blew in my se- mind. In the second round. Also, That's great. Hey, on, okay, here, a uh, uh, draft question. Mm-hmm. If you're going to draft a kicker in the second round, does it become a valuable pick if he is a very consistent, very good kicker for 21 years? Yeah. Like, if you're going to pick a guy in the a kicker in the second round, that's the kind of career you want him to have, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're fine with that. Okay. I mean, better have be, better than like it's better to have a good kicker for twenty years than draft a guy who doesn't get a second contract, which happens a lot for second round picks. Hey, Lions taking Jason Hansen in the second round, good pick. <laughs> nice, nice work. Nineteen ninety two. I have no idea who their GM was in nineteen ninety two, but kudos to him. It wasn't Matt Millen. Play of the game, easy one. Delaney Walker game winning touchdown on fourth and goal. All three touchdowns had super lengthy reviews. Yeah. Which wasn't great for the rewatch. Yeah. And also, I should have mentioned that during the officiating portion of, of this pod. But It was, it was, I, I don't recommend anybody watch this game, but also, like, you can't, there, you can't put into words how strange it was without watching it. You're watching it, and then you hit, like, midway through the qu- third quarter, and you're like, somebody has to win this game. Well, and like night, like it wasn't particularly beautiful football throughout. And you also hit midway through the third quarter, and you realize there's six minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah, it's that kind of game where it just drags and drags. The Niners uh, had thirty percent of their offense on two Frank Gore runs. <laughs> <laughs> Winners and losers. Winner, just perfect transition here. Frank Gore, big winner. Uh, yep. Great game for him. 15 for a buck 41 and a touchdown. Had a couple of drop passes, though, like a couple of bad drops. Uh, Alex Smith is a loser here. 17 of 32 for 125, a touchdown and a pick. And then he just missed some easy throws. He did, but he did he did make the game-winning throw. He did. He is nails. Uh, winner was the <laughs> Niners' pass rush. I didn't want to list a bunch of players, just but the, the Niners, when you get 29 pressures and the quarterback has 28 completions, it's a big day for your defensive line. 
I think looking back at these the games... The whole squad of defensive linemen. Yeah, look, looking back at these games now, I, I don't think I... In 2011, watching it live, I remembered how good Ray McDonald was. Me neither, dude. And obviously in, in 2014, you know, Ray McDonald had a bunch of off-the-field stuff that was terrible and ultimately led to him getting, you know, arrested and, and thrown out of the league, essentially. But um, during this time, he was a very good player. Also a good Ahmad Brooks game, too. Yeah, just every everybody... Who who rushed the passer had a good game. It felt like a uh, big loser. The viewer, <laughs> but not the listener on the rewatch. No, you guys are welcome for doing this for you. Who was your game MVP? Um, I think Justin Smith. PFF gave him nine pressures on the game. <laughs> Jesus. And he yeah. was just he was just <laughs> picking up offensive linemen and moving them. He was doing it from a bunch of different spots. Um, it felt like he played every snap. Uh, Justin Smith was just was just remarkable. I, let, let me look at his final. Uh, there was never there sec- was there was never a play where Stafford just got to like sit back and throw it. It felt like it seemed like he was moved off his spot the entire game, which yeah. which is what which is the reason why I looked up I, in my head. I didn't even think Pro Football Focus had uh, graded these games in 2011, and I saw Stafford getting moved off his spot so much i was like i might as well check and then i look and yeah 29 pressures 28 completions um justin smith seven combined tackles one and a half sacks officially three quarterback hits and a tackle for loss the leader in combined tackles was navarro bowman um second was justin smith with seven who tied pat willis with seven so yeah justin smith's the mvp for me just because the niners defense ultimately deserves recognition for for this win probably more so than the offense okay that's fair um i don't have any quarrels delaney walker had the game winning touchdown but he just didn't have a great didn't have a great game uh or at least a good enough game to to two catches 11 yards six yard touchdown yeah dropped another touchdown yeah it's, it's justin smith that's a good pick a couple of odds and ends before we wrap up here one of my favorite things that I noticed about the broadcast was this is 2011. So Twitter is still kind of working its way into the mainstream. And Fox's way of... And it was it was to the point where it was becoming clear that Twitter was going to be a big deal. Yeah. And that people were going to start using it as a medium for news and interaction. And Fox, I think, trying to either get ahead of that or was trying to integrate Twitter into their broadcast. And the way they did that was to put a thing on the ticker that was like, tweet our officiating expert, Mike Pereira, with your officiating questions. At Mike Pereira. And that's just such a like archaic way to view Twitter. Yeah, I would like, agree. Yeah, you have questions. Let's uh, just ask the broadcast. Like, I don't think they were understanding the medium and like the volume of tweets that would come in and how easy it is to read and respond to all of them. And I, I, I thought it was. And now, like, they'll just throw a hashtag on the screen. Hashtag SF at DET. Well, I think Fox picked it. Fox picked up on the fact that some people tweeted a hundred times. Would somebody would tweet a hundred times during a game? Who does that though? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought I thought that was interesting, just from a from a media standpoint. Um, 
how do you think we talked a little bit about this earlier but Jim Harbaugh's offense just looks so dated now yeah and so clunky and slow and I think that had a little bit to do with the personnel but what what do you maybe not what would Jim Harbaugh's offense look like but do you think he could have been successful as the NFL kind of adapted to the the these new kind of more college style offenses because even at Stanford Jim Harbaugh didn't run like a spread college style right. offense right and he still doesn't at at Michigan um right he probably should <laughs> I I don't so I think Jim Harbaugh's offense with the 49ers worked um, well mainly because when when Kaepernick became the starter in 2012 and they went to the Super Bowl I think that offense was very much unique and completely different from what they had run in 2011 um, and it was new and I think that newness was a reason it was so successful because teams do a lot of their scouting work in the offseason from uh, a team's tape the previous year and what the Niners did by inserting Kaepernick in 2013 or 2012 was completely changing their offense midway through the season which threw defensive coordinators through a loop and and that's kind of the reason why you have Kaepernick running for you know 200 yards in a playoff game or that that's one of the reasons and that's not to take anything away from Kaepernick shout out um, to Dom Capers but it was yeah it it was it's why people thought he was going to take over the league because they right. were so dominant. Right. But but I think Harbaugh's offense worked because of how good the defense was. That's fair. Like, it was... The defense was so good, um, it could rush the passer, it could cover on the back end, it could be physical in the secondary, it could stop the run. You're, they, they mentioned it a few different times during this game that the Niners didn't allow a rushing touchdown. Yep. To this point in the season in 2011 through six games, I forget exactly 20, when they did. I think they went most. Of the, I think they only allowed like one or something all year. Twenty-seven percent um, red zone touchdown rate on defense going into the game. Right, and I think the Lions were one for four. Yeah, like being able to dominate up front by just rushing four guys like the 49ers could back then was massive for them. Um, but like in terms they did of last year, yeah, in in terms of Harbaugh, I mean, here's here's what would give me optimism is is seeing what Greg Roman's doing right now with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Sure. Right. So that is a very diverse running game, but it's also predicated on the fact that you have a generational type quarterback running that system and it happens to be a perfect fit for his skill set, right? So I think if Jim Harbaugh had continued to have an elite defense um and and sort of kept throwing wrinkles in with Greg Roman, I think it could have worked. I think there were a lot of other reasons aside from scheme that it didn't work um, in twenty, you know, twenty fourteen. So, I mean, if it were me, like Jim Harbaugh would not be the coach that I were that I would hire anytime soon. Um, I I would lean more towards somebody who's more forward thinking because that's where the league is going. I think guys like um, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and those and Andy Reid, even even though he's been around forever, I still think he's still innovating. Um, those forward-thinking coaches, I think, are are the ones that are going to be more successful going into the future than the than Jim Harbaugh, who's still and and it can work if you have the right personnel and the right defense, which the 49ers had. But it was 
it was Bo Schembechler, Michigan football. It was power running game. Yep. Um, two yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, we don't mind if if you know it's a low scoring game, but I just like these route combinations and these passing concepts. It's like everything's a stop route. Like we'll throw a, a slant in there every once in a while, a crosser. You know, there's very little pushing the ball downfield. Maybe that was a product of Alex Smith. Um, but I, think I just it was a lot of Alex Smith. Yeah, it was a lot of Alex, a lot on Alex Smith. Like, or it, it had a lot to do with Alex Smith, I should say. But to me, Jim Harbaugh right now for the league, I think it would be a tough fit unless he had somebody like Lamar Jackson, or even Prime Kaepernick. If 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 they were able to keep that together, <clears throat> um, then that would work. I I think what they did in 2014 was change the offense and and go away from that and try to become more of a college-style spread offense, and that's not Jim Harbaugh's bag. And he proved it in 2014, and he proved it, he's since proven it at, at Michigan. So, I mean, it, it might be that Greg Roman deserves more credit than ultimately he got, because I know a lot of people, a lot of 49ers fans were not Greg Roman fans, but to see what he's doing now schematically compared yeah. to what Jim Harbaugh's doing in Michigan... Um, I have to think Greg Roman might be underrated in terms of how he is as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's almost like if they had decided to stick with the offense that they ran with Kaepernick in 2012 and just restructured their roster like the Ravens have to build around Lamar Jackson right? rather than trying to fit Kaepernick into that offense, right. into Harbaugh's offense, uh, things, things might have gone a little differently. Or maybe they don't. Uh, one there last were, thing. There oh, were about ahead. 500 things that went on that led to yeah. the downfall of the team. It wasn't just like Harbaugh's yeah, no, offense of course. not I evolving. Wasn't trying to it, was, it was a whole slew of things. One, one last thing that I didn't shout out. There was something in this game that I did not know I missed until it happened. And that was Mike Carey, the head official... And his, like, delay, the dramatic pause oh, yeah. from when he'd go holding offense <laughs> and, like, dramatically point. Yeah. Uh, and he would, like, start to point one way and then point. Dude, I miss Mike Carey so bad, and I didn't know it until tonight. That makes sense. That, that, so, yeah, he was very out. dramatic. He would say the penalty... And then, like, pause for half a beat and, and then do, and, and go do, off, like, reveal. There was a big reveal of the penalty when Mike Harris his, was calling the game. His pause on a on a, on a false start in the first quarter, half a second. Uh, you know, fall, uh, the, not, even, not even a false start, but maybe a holding in the first quarter. Holding, offense. You get three minutes left in a two-point game, and <laughs> there's a holding call. He's holding that pause for 19 seconds. Yeah. And uh, I think that's I think that's great. He didn't have a great television career, did Mike Carey, uh, but he was an awesome official, and I miss watching him in football games. Um, Gene Steratore is always my favorite. Gene Steratore is great. Gene Steratore would announce penalties like he was ordering his third old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> he would like casually walk forward, have his hand on the on the little button that turned his mic on, and would just. Like it, yeah. it was awesome. I don't even want to do the impression because I don't think I would do it justice. But if uh, yeah, it's holding. What the fuck do you want? Number yeah, sixty-four. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Steratore. <laughs> Did I say Jim? Gene Steratore. No, yeah, Gene. Um, right. He was he was my favorite official. I'm I'm sad he's not in the league right now. Me too. All right, 
that's it. We're going to go through next week and do our Mount Rushmore of NFL officials. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Triplett, not going to be on it. No. So that was uh, that was the old rush. The Niners beat the Lions 25-19 in week six of the 2011 season. They moved to 5-1. and one. What game are we going to do next, Chris? Oh, man. I uh, have not thought about it at all. Uh, well, let's do it right now. We, this is my favorite. This is actually my favorite part of the podcast is producing okay. on the fly. Uh, so the Niners have the bye week in week seven. They beat the Browns 20-10 to 10 in week eight. I was actually at that game. Wow. Uh, I remember at the time going, I never want to see this game again. Sure. So we're going to skip that one. We have the Niners beating Washington 19-11 to 11 in Washington. I think Alden Smith had five sacks in that game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did the he? Following, I, he had five I, sacks against the Steelers, I believe. Or against the Bears. He had five sacks against um okay i have one circled it's a little further down the schedule uh i'm thinking when crabtree did not have five sacks against washington he what Go ahead. he did not have five sacks against washington yeah i think it was that steelers game um john beck was the starting quarterback though yuck we're not watching that one i was gonna say december 24th uh, at Seattle, Niners wins 1917 when Michael Crabtree saved Christmas. Uh, okay, there's there's that game. Or there's the blackout game, the the, the night the lights went out. Yeah, Monday no, night we're, against skipping the Steelers. A, we're skipping a bunch of good ones here. I want to do the Giants week 10. Okay, I think I was at that game, actually. 27-20, the Niners won. Uh, that was the game where the Giants drove down, like, inside the 20 at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I was definitely at that game. Uh, yeah, Justin, Justin Smith had Smith. a bat down yeah. thirty yep. on fourth down with 30 seconds left. Yep. Um, all right, we can do that and one. And that was from the 10 with 30 seconds left. So, yeah, let's do that one. Spoiler alert on what happens. Yeah, um, we'll go back through that one. That'll be interesting because that, I, I think that was the only game I went to that season. NFC Championship preview. It was the only regular season game I went to, actually. Um, yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God, dude. I'm dreading this already. November 13th. They got... The, week 10. <laughs> the score at one point in that game was 12-6, to 6 and it was all field goals. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, Mario Manningham. Yeah, big Mario Manningham game. Hakeem Nicks. Oh yeah, Hakeem Hicks. Wow, that's that is a name I have not heard in a while. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with remember. it. Let's do that. Tony Correnti's the referee in this one. I like Tony Correnti too. <laughs> okay, <perfect>. so <laughs> that's what we're doing next week. We'll also take a look at uh, the Niners' tight end depth chart uh, on the on the early week pod. So make sure to look out for that. Subscribe, rate, review if you don't already, and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.